Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, the generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast, presented by BetMGM. This is the week one college football betting recap and Monday night preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, Colin Wilson. Colin, are you... I don't even know how you're going to recover from that pretzel you were in last night. Are you celebrating a Florida State <laughs> win? Are you mourning your LSU futures? Is, L- is LSU dead? Yeah. What a weird was what a what a bizarre game. They should those two teams have to play on every Sunday night going forward. Uh, well, I mean, I, I took the national championship on LSU future mid January. Like, I mean, we're still working our way to the Super Bowl, and two transfer portal windows later, I you know you and I both identified that the big gap in this game was going to be the secondary of LSU. Um, it, you know, and I was absolutely in a pretzel because you make a national championship bet in January, but then you break down the game two weeks before and find out that the one big gap on the team <laughs> is where they're going to be attacked. And that's exactly what happened with Johnny Wilson last night. Keon Coleman's an absolute stud. Um, you know, I think it just got piled on at the end. I wouldn't look at the final score, but uh, I mean, Florida State's better. I lined it again after I adjusted the power rating. If I lined the game again, I'd make it Florida State minus three and a half. Yeah, Florida State looked great. And there was a number of drops. The officials were against them early, too. So mm-hmm. it was a really impressive performance. By the Seminoles, who have a little, you know, some things to obviously clean up, and LSU has to figure out that secondary. Now, keep in mind, it is early, early in the season, and this is the case every year in college football, but especially now with all of the you know, roster and coaching movement in all, in the off season, it's going to take some time for some of these teams to gel when there's a lot of new pieces. So we'll see how LSU can come together before the start 
of SEC play, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But you never want to overreact to one week. Unfortunately, if you're looking to buy low on LSU, they play Grambling next week. So Harold not Perkins, much there. Harold Perkins was a non-factor. LSU was terrible when they got past the 40-yard line. They were uh, three. Uh, they averaged three points per possession inside the 40, as opposed to Florida State, which was at 4.7. LSU should be happy over the fact that they had more explosive drives than FSU. They just couldn't convert any points. I mean, they definitely moved the ball. They just could not get any points. And I don't know what happened to Harold Perkins. Complete no-show. Well, one of the things that happens when you are constantly running, you know, you're a shotgun-based offense is you play a really good team and then you get into these short-yarded situations and you're playing teams with a lot of speed and size, and it becomes a lot harder because you're snapping the ball five yards. Sneak the ball. Here's here's what I'll say. It's my first of many rants this year on quarterback sneaks. Look, I get it. You run a shotgun-based offense. You have a quarterback who's used to taking the center, right, taking the snap from shotgun. It doesn't matter if you tell the other team you're going to sneak it because that's how much more successful that play is than, you know, a read option on fourth and one at the goal line. Have a quarterback that is just a big quarterback that is just your sneak quarterback. And that's all he practices. And you can even push him. You can you can bring in guys behind him and push him. It's a, it's amazing the lack of sneaks at the college level. I bet in 10 years we won't we will see sneaks 90% of the time, especially if you can push like the Eagles do. I digress. For those new here, well for those first of all, for those that are back again for a 7th year, we recap the weekend, talk about some of our bets, the marquee games, we do that through a couple different avenues, but primarily through the voicemail, which our voicemail line, which you guys call into all season, 959 bad beat, and you yell, scream, bitch, moan, cry, you name it, and we listen to you, then talk about the games. Any games you didn't get to that we want to talk about, we will talk about, we'll do best call, worst call, bet, regret, little personal recaps, talk about anything else that's on the mind, and then including this week, we'll do Monday Night Football because we have a game tonight. And then Colin will do a segment which is new this year, which is a look ahead segment. And he'll talk about some of the games that jump out for those of you betting early on in the week and hunting those openers out there. And then, you know, we're recording this on Monday morning due to the holiday schedule. We'll normally record this on Sunday morning, it'll be out Sunday night. And then Colin, Brett, and myself will continue to do the new BCS. Which is, which will be out on Tuesday mornings. Mike and Mike do the group of five, which is out Wednesdays. And then Colin and I obviously will have the weekly previews later in the week. And then we'll have our BBOC live show on Saturday morning. So that's some housekeeping there, especially for those of you that are new. Welcome aboard. Let's have a big year, Colin. Let's get things started and just jump right in to these voicemails, which our producer, the lovely Matt Mitchell, tells me are dominated by James Franklin. Unfortunately, you were on the raw end of this deal. There were some horrific beats this week. No one took knees. Does anyone remember what a knee, uh, knee even last night with for total backers? I got screwed by this on the UCF under. I know you did too. Um, there were some horrible, horrible beats this. I mean, look, UAB going 99 yards, no huddle against NCA and T, throwing it, throwing a touchdown pass to cover with eight seconds left. I mean, Gus Malzahn in the backup UCF offense, two for two, with going no huddle. What is going on here? 
But lots of bad beats across the board. We are officially back. So let's uh, kick things off with the voicemail and get to Mr. Franklin. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Big Bats on Kansas podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Leave a message after the bleep. James Franklin is scum on earth. With three seconds to go, he runs it out for his hillbilly inbred fan base. You Gosh, that's the worst one of my life. Bob here. Welcome back. Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Scumbag, James Franklin. You there's no reason you shouldn't take a knee. You. Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. You, James Franklin. Take a knee, you. I'm watching this live. Get the stop. Get the stop. Franklin, you classless. Off, you clown. You just needed to take a knee, James Franklin. Just take a knee. That's all you had to do. Neil Brown apologizes for calling a timeout. Neil Brown apologized for kicking it onside. We had a thing going. I prepped you up all offseason. I said Drew Allen should be the Heisman. Take a knee. James Franklin is the coach of Penn State. I could never forgive James Franklin for running a fake field goal, throwing the ball with his kicker on the one-yard line against Michigan. He's a disgrace. Until he punches it in. With six seconds left, meaningless touchdown to cover. Wow. I still hate him, but thank you. Colin Stucky, Cody from Fargo. I am sick to my stomach right now watching Penn State and West Virginia and James Franklin, that running the ball, trying to cover the spread for the alumni when he could have kneeled it out. Are you kidding me? You, James Franklin. Go back to Vanderbilt. Colin and Stucky. James Franklin. What a mastermind. Covering the last play of the game like that. I doubted him. I'm not going to lie. I doubted him. Penn State playoff team. Championship team. Plus, what, 25 and a half you have, Colin? Cash it. Yeah, so for those of you that didn't catch the game, and then I'll let Colin share his thoughts, Penn State was a 20, 20 and a half point favorite against West Virginia. And they were up 31 to 15. West Virginia clearly within the number. And Penn State runs it in with six seconds to go from the five yard line. Uh, you got anything here? The game played out exactly how I handicapped it. West Virginia was above national average in standard down success rate running the ball. They were below national average in passing downs. Actually, they weren't good at all. 25% success rate in passing downs. Drew was great, over 300 passing yards. which I was happy to see. Yeah, a bunch of touchdowns. We knew that there wouldn't be an answer for that. But the whole handicap was West Virginia will have an avenue to run the ball and be successful. And they did. They had more methodical drives than Penn state and that the defense would do enough and the clock would burn out. It played out perfectly on the handicap until Neil Brown decided to call 
his last time out, which pissed James Franklin off and decided to shove it in. So I don't know where stuck we move off analytics and get into, well, this coach is this and this coach is this. What do you, you want to call them assholes or what? I don't know what you want to do, how you handicap what happened at the end of the game. But you people waving your Penn State minus 21 flags on Twitter afterwards, you should be ashamed of yourself. I mean, James Franklin is an asshole. I think everyone knows that for multitude of reasons. You can uh, you can Google some of them, uh, some very questionable things he's done, not just off the field with disciplinary stuff. But we won't get into all of that. But yeah, I, he the betting on college sports is a very unique roller coaster that those who just bet professional sports do not have to endure. Right. So if you bet on the NBA and your team is down seven with four seconds to go and you're catching eight, you're good. In college, you might fail. In the NFL, if you have a dog catching eight and you're down seven with 30 seconds to go and the other team's at the one, you're good. They're going to take a knee. There's no one running it up in the NFL. You're running back, falling down at the one yard line. Right. Falling down. In college football, depends on the coach. You're not good. <laughs> and you might have some teams that are running. I remember uh, La Tech did this, to, running hurry up to try and get snaps off, which is going to lead us into Gus Malzahn, who could have taken a knee uh, and decided not to multiple times to run it up on lowly Kent State. So let's get into, let's keep going. By the way, James Franklin can totally redeem himself by winning the national title. Yes, and we'll take that features. as acceptance of payment, yes. <sighs> Colin Stuck, job from Long Island, Gus Malzahn, and Trent Gilfer. Gus, you're running plays with 25 seconds left on the playcock. Up 43 points. These they know the spread. They know the total. You cannot convince me otherwise. Trent Gilfer, because he was lucky enough to get a Division One Power 5 job, decides, you know what? Let me do something good for the boosters and try and go 99 yards in less than three minutes to cover the spread. You piece of Trent Dilfer. You are now mortal enemy number one. I got Dilford and Franklin both in the same week. Class was. You want to talk about UCF and then I guess UAB? Yeah. By the way, Penn State, a couple, another note is that, you know, I was curious to see, well, you know, two of the questions that I had going in, obviously, and we're talking about for them to be a potential national title, college football playoff contender. We obviously knew they were going to be a good team, but can they take that next step? You know, part of the reason for our Penn State futures is we have some other questions, especially with the other top teams at quarterback. And Penn State has those same questions with Drew Auer, who, you know, while very highly touted, we haven't seen a lot from him. So we, there's there's questions there, just like some of the other top teams in the country. I was very impressed with how he looked. And also seeing Lambert Smith have a big game is big because they need someone to be that number one and clear go-to receiver. And, you know, you, you see him right off the bat with a long 70-yard touchdown. Would have liked to see a little bit more explosiveness from the rushing attack, right? You, you have these two two freshman backs last year that come back. And what was their longest run? 10, 10 11 yards, I think. Not much. So yeah. I, I would like to see a little bit more explosiveness there. So, And then, you know, regarding some of the other top, Michigan's 
offensive line and rushing attack is worth watching. They just couldn't really get anything going on the ground, which is semi-concerning against ECU, even if they were loading the box. But J.J. McCarthy did look really good, which uh, is something to watch. So a lot of these things, right, it's hard to judge. You're playing inferior competition, and it's only one week, and it's a small sample size. Speaking of which, a lot of the talk this week was of CLV, or you'll see that a lot on Twitter, or closing line value. I got destroyed on any bets that I had closing line. I went 0-7 against the spread if I beat the market across the key number and uh, and pregame wagers. 8-2 and if I didn't. But here's the thing. It's seven bets. And I think most of them were the wrong side. Even the UCF under, like there was a couple picks and turnovers in the red zone. But that's okay. It's a small sample size. I see people like, I got to fade, you know, these line moves. And I have the data going back 25 years. If you beat the market across a key number in college football by three or more points, you are 67% since 2000 against the spread. And even if you bet it that those moves after they moved, you're basically flipping coins. This week it didn't work out. It's okay. You're, you know, if you're, yeah, you're beating the market across a key number over a long period of time, you're going to be okay. Don't tilt. It's not everything. The market's definitely less efficient in week one. There's also, you know, these lines are out for months. You have services that release plays. Everyone's looking at kind of the same stuff. So there's a lot of groupthink and these lines move and there's a lot of uncertainty earlier in the year. You beat the market across the key number, you lose. It sucks, but move on. Don't tilt. It's a long season. Um, UCF under did suck though. And there was a couple other games like that, but uh, mainly I pushed around money for week zero, week one. Colin, any thoughts that you want to add there? Yeah, I went 10 of 10 on the app uh, and then on our <laughs> BBOC live show. Just I, if we're going to get the best call, worst call, I mean, the best call by far was Washington. Like being able to diagnose what Boise was going to be offensively, trying to keep Taylor Green in the pocket, uh, making him a pocket passer. Like none of it was good. Washington rolled. So, I mean, that's definitely best call. Uh, but I mean, from the live show perspective, the Penn State uh, cover wiped me there and then i took ucla minus 15 on the live show and uh you know they won by 14 after a you bunch taunted of the hook. you taunted the hook all week i, did. I, I did. don't care about that hook i, I don't care, care about that. that and then it yeah. got you uh devastating pick late um mcmurphy got got screwed on the live show too with uh umass first half yeah. they miss a field goal <laughs> at the end and then pick six um to start the second half screwed me over there right like like week one is always a fact-finding adventure and then we if i remember right usually week two week three week four you know it's we know the identities we see where the public narrative is and we see like in the analytics we know their true identity so i mean if you can get out week one i think pushing money around it's great if you're positive but if you're just pushing money around at least we now have one twelfth of the story on these teams yeah um, sort of a survival week. Hate whenever I don't have a big week, but there's going to happen. We're going to, I'm going to have, I promise there's a weekend coming soon where I'm just going to get crushed. And if you got crushed, put it behind you. There's nothing you can do. You can't, what are you going to, what are you going to do dwelling on the fact that you lost money? You already lost it. Don't let it impact your future wagering decisions. Regroup, let it go and move on. Uh, for my, my best call, I will go. Uh, let's see. I know my worst call was North Texas. Don't yeah, care I mean, how much I beat the market by, but they got destroyed by the backup. 
Yep. Cal's quarterback got hurt. And Sam Jackson we, was in, in not good. And then when Ben Finley came in, bonkers. Yeah. Uh, I think we have a call coming up on that. Um, of someone talking about the North Texas defense. No one thought didn't, we didn't think the North Texas defense was going to be good. Didn't think the Cal offense was going to be that good, especially with their backup and thought North Texas could get more done. So I'll throw that out as worst call. Um, I'll say best call was, how about ULM? ULM Moneyline from the podcast, the Moneyline Dogs. That got, that got me to cash the round robin dog, uh, cash our first round robin, bear, like a couple dollars. We went three of five because Toledo. Houston, we had. Prayer fourth down, which was awful against Illinois, but it is what it is. And then that regret. Um, I know mine. I'll say, I'll, I'll say across the board, it was, you know, because we were going to do a stock down, stock up. I tweeted about this. Stock down is Big 12, and we have to talk about Dion. Great call on the over there. Because um, one of my bet regrets is not that I didn't bet that under. I was thinking about the under, and I, that right. would have been a major bet regret. So I'm glad you cashed the over there. I didn't end up getting involved, which I was happy to see. But what a debut for Dion in Colorado. And that, I mean, the, the numbers that they put up on TCU, but the Big 12, because Colorado's not in the Big 12 yet. The Big 12 sees TCU go down as three touchdown favorites. Uh, they see Baylor, a lot of people were talking about Baylor losing to your Texas State boys and the new offense there as four touchdown favorites. I mean, uh, and then, you know, you know, obviously Texas Tech goes down as two touchdown favorites, two at Wyoming multiple three teams go down one is two touchdown favorites one is three touchdown favorites and one and then you know you have BYU attempting to play football against Sam Houston State let's never speak of that game ever again but (laughs) a awful day for the big 12 I think there might be some good buy low spots on some of these big 12 teams which we'll talk about later in the week but my bet regret is doubting a lot of these Pac-12 teams and some of the hires that they had, Stanford included, the offense that Stanford threw out there, night and day from what we've seen out of Stanford in the past couple of years. I went 0-3 fading the Pac-12. It doesn't, who cares how much CLV I got? Washington State waxed Colorado State, Cal waxed North Texas, and Stanford convincing cover against Hawaii. Those offenses in New... You know, for the most part, new offenses way ahead of where I thought they would be at this time. The Pac-12 went undefeated, and for the most part, except sadly, except for your UCLA boys by the hook, covered every game. Even Oregon State, DJU, change of scenery, he looked great. So stock up on the Pac-12. That regret for me is doubting a lot of those offenses and hires because I definitely got burnt there. Yeah, I'm glad the Stanford offense came to play. That was uh, watching Ashton Daniels the other night on the island. Stanford is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I took over 69 and a half, the opener with USC and Stanford. Uh, The way Troy Taylor and the pace that he wants to run, and you're going to give Caleb Williams, I don't know, 13 possessions in this game. I don't generally tell people run to the 70s and hit the over, but I don't see a reason why you would take an under on this game considering the way Troy Taylor wants to play games. I think I'll just throw my bet regret in real quick as we're kind of piling on the big 12. I should have bet Oklahoma. 
I mean, that knowing that they've heard everything and they're pissed off and the talent they have and considering the direction that Arkansas State continues to go, you know, which is backwards, uh, that should have been an easy play. So I'll do bet regret on Oklahoma. I didn't make that mistake this week. Hit the opener. They've already steamed up. I would take them to 18. I think we should go back and talk about Colorado, though. Like, do you, I know that you and I, this is going to be the huge focus, Colorado, Nebraska. But suck the hardest thing for me was I had Nebraska minus 10 projected against Colorado, and now I have Colorado minus three and a half. I don't think I've ever taken a 14, 15 point jump. I know you go crazy on week one. I'll move things six points, seven points, eight points of a quarterback's involved. For me to move this much, I was thinking to myself, I must be crazy. Uh, and what, what's funny is, is I actually hit the market too. I made it minus three and a half and it kind of floated out there for a while. But I, I think my line of thinking is stuck is there's always a team that I can't quantify in the math. I can't catch up to them from against the spread. What I saw from Colorado with my eyeballs was explosive. And in the box score, they tripled the national average in explosive drive. I saw some methodical, uh, some, some, some longer drives out there. Oh, yeah. They doubled the methodical drive percentage of national average. They were fantastic everywhere. Their entire receiving core is explosive, and they're going to give everybody a problem. Dylan Edwards is an animal. Travis Hunter is an animal. Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn, it goes down the list. So what I'm saying is, like, I think it's justified that I moved them 14 points. I do not want to be behind on this Colorado train, and I'm betting them. I'm just going to make the statement here. I'm betting them every week until I lose money. Yeah, it's going to be they're a tough team to figure out with so much change, right? Like it was it's a complete blow up and start over from the staff to the to the players. I was lower on TCU than the market. Um I regret obviously not playing Colorado, but it was hard for me to really like I said on the podcast, if anyone knows like what to expect with this Colorado team in week one, they're lying to you. And they were a big uncertainty. I was worried about the offensive line, which actually held up fairly well. Uh, and and I have a lot of respect for that TCU defense and especially their defensive coordinator. But for the numbers that Colorado put up, we'll talk about them in Nebraska later in this week more in depth. But yeah, Travis Hunter, it's some Charles Woodson vibes, but playing 80 snaps at corner and 60 at wide receiver. And he can't do that all season, can he? Not against Pac-12 offenses. We'll see. Uh, it was definitely an impressive performance. And then, obviously, Dion uh, talked that shit, backed it up, brought you know, brought kept, on kept, all of the receipts. smoke. Kept receipts. And, yeah, he, he deserves to be able to talk that talk. Now, again, it's only one game, so you never want to completely overreact, but you don't want to get left behind. So that's, the, that's where the art comes in. There's always art and science when it comes to sports betting, especially early in the year. So your biggest adjustments from a power ratings perspective are going to come early in the year. That's when you learn the most. This is true in any, in every sport. So you want to make your biggest adjustments, but you also don't want to overreact. So it's only a one game sample size. So that's where the art comes in. Okay. Do I, do I think this team is way better than the market? I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot here and really adjust this team. And then, you know, in case B, you might say, you know what? It's only one game. So that's where the art comes in. So it'll be be curious to see what the market does with that line. I bet there's going to be some significant disagreement across the board. But Shador Sanders, 38 of 47, 510, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Impressive 
opening season win for Colorado. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, let's uh, jump right back in and get through the rest of these voicemails. Adam in LA, I bitched last week, and this week I'm giving props. Props to Colin and Stuck. Man, Dion has earned the right to brag all week. It's a hell of a win, but man, you guys just nailed it. The over and the team total, which I got in late at 41 and a half. Ship it. Listen, I know when you gamble, you're supposed to take the spreads, you know, minus 21 on GCU. Do it. I didn't think they were going to cover that. But do it. I just decided to put it in a money line parlay. Four legs hit. It comes out to TCU minus 1,000. I don't even know why I put it in there. And they can't even beat Colorado at home after going to the Natty. Are you kidding me what a joke tcu legit just went to the national championship and then lose at home to colorado who has a jv team colorado whose win total is three and a half i i cannot believe it they just ruined my day i hate college football i'm done with it goodbye uh don't put 
minus 1000 favorites and money line parlays unless it's like Georgia against the Mac. Don't don't do that. Yeah, you know, uh, try to avoid parlays. Uh, if you want, if, obviously, there's a lot, a lot of betters out there that are just recreational betters. You want to throw in your long shot, that's fine. But you're going to be a lot better of a better if you get parlays, straight parlays out of your life. And just keep this in mind if you are going to do that, because I know a lot of you still will. A team like, you know, for example, this week, you have TCU laying three touchdowns. They're playing a team with a lot of uncertainty. Right, like we just talked about, who knows what Colorado's going to be? Same thing with Baylor, right? Baylor, huge favorite, playing a team with a lot of uncertainty, brand new scheme. That's what you want to look for in a potential money line underdog. That is not when there's a lot of uncertainty early in the season. Those are the big favorites that you certainly want to avoid. So if you're gonna if you're gonna go down that path, don't don't throw in the big favorite at the very end. That's not really going to improve your payout, but especially if it's a game with a lot of uncertainty early in the season. Moving on. I mean, thank God it's 1.30 a.m. and no one else is awake to watch this Hawaii team completely embarrass themselves. The only good thing I maybe see about this team is the quarterback. The kid's running for his life the whole night because the O-line's just getting blown off the ball. He has no time to throw. D-line's just non-existent, no pass rush ever. Going for two for no reason. Oh, and the penalties. This team has less discipline than my daughter's kindergarten class. It's just so embarrassing. And you know what? For the rest of the year, this team should start games after 1.30 a.m. I don't want to watch this team ever again because they suck. Hawaii. Here I am. Fourth and goal, Hawaii. And I got on the under. And I got Hawaii has their course. I got Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hawaii sucks so bad. Oh my God, I got Hawaii plus eight CLV. Hawaii. Bye. Look, they're one and one against the spread. They look good and then didn't look good. I think you had, you had a great call there. By the way, the the with Hawaii being potentially deflated, a lot going on in their home state, the schedule didn't do them any favors. They play, you know, they get a lightning delay and play, mm-hmm. finish up really late on Saturday night in Nashville against Vandy. Have to fly what, seven, I don't know, 7,000 miles from Nashville to Honolulu for a short week. Like, see, then they're they're playing again on Friday night. And meanwhile, Stanford is, you know, sitting at home resting. They have a shorter flight, a shorter trip, and haven't played yet. And that trend, again, teams playing, I got burnt on it twice, teams playing their first game against teams that played in week zero. That film rest and prep advantage. Showed out again. It's all at Oregon State, too, against San Jose State. 4-1 and one against the spread. Now 59-33 against the spread over the past 20 years. Backing teams that play, you know, it's still only a sample size of you know, about 100 games. It's not huge, but uh, there's some logic behind it. So something to keep in mind in the future. But, uh, yeah, Hawaii definitely looked a little deflated right from right from the start. But credit. That Stanford offense, they needed a jolt. I mean, their offense was the stalest in college football. Go out, make a make a hire from the FCS ranks, and the you know have a surprise quarterback start. We didn't we we didn't know who was going to be the quarterback. Everything looked great. Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at the advanced box score with these guys, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is is how bad is Vanderbilt? 
Uh, Stanford was able to get eight tackles for loss for 49 yards. They were all over Braden Shager. Uh, he didn't have any interceptions. That's, that is one good thing about Hawaii. They weren't as explosive, but at the same time, you know, I mean, Pafel Ashlock had 13 targets. He caught eight of them for 114. I mean, they're still a little bit explosive. The problem is there's just too much pressure on Shager. And when you go to the advanced box score, uh, Stanford, who went as fast as possible, had three of 11 explosive drives, three of 11 methodical drives, more than half of their drives, six of their 11 drives had two plus first downs that Stanford offense can move. The answer, we had so many questions about what Troy Taylor was going to do with his personnel. And the, and, and the answer is, is that their tight end, Benjamin Urasek, uh, Ash Daniels, good luck. If, if you can't cover tight ends, Stanford's going to get points on you. And I'm going to take overs until we don't cash them. Stanford, uh, Making a case along with Iowa's tight end you. <laughs> shout, shout out to you know, Zach Ertz, Kobe Fleener, and now Yurisek among others. But he looks like a, he's going to be potentially the first tight end taken off the board. Uh, him, about, uh, outside of Brock Bowers, potentially. Uh, but yeah, very, very, very strong first showing for Stanford. All right, let's finish these up. Hey, Colin. Hey, Stuck. Just calling in to call about what an absolute poverty f- college Boston College Eagles is first game of the year in Chestnut Hill and they lay an absolute stinker I mean I guess the only saving grace is that like what eight fans showed up to watch the game and just them blow it to eight-year super senior Rocky Lombardi just what an absolute disgrace how great was the Mac this weekend on the road covering um were they good Toledo covered and I you covered NIU covered. Miami, Ohio didn't. Central Michigan didn't. Mm-hmm. All State didn't. A mixed bag. Uh, Bowling Green, will, depending on the number you got. But yeah, Boston College. Akron. Yeah, but Akron, uh, who unfortunately didn't get the Buffalo. win. Um, they were close. Akron keeps getting closer. They keep losing these one possession games. I see you, Akron fans. But a disappointing loss for Boston College. In overtime, another horrible beat there if you had the under. Nothing worse than losing an under that just looked like it was never in doubt, and then it goes to overtime and sneaks over the total. But big win for Northern Illinois, who didn't really do much. I mean, the Boston College defense did all that they could, but uh, just just the offense is, there's just no explosiveness at all. And it was... Yeah, the, Northern Illinois scored on every trip past the 40-yard line. Boston College, yeah. it's just ole. And, yeah, it might be the the writing might be on the wall for the end of the, the Halfley era with that loss. So we'll see where BC goes, but uh, moving on. Hey, Stuck, hey, Colin. I don't know, it's 8 o'clock on this Saturday. Boise State team total over 21 and a half. I mean, 19 points. 13 left in the third. Halen Green shouldn't be playing at Boise State. He couldn't start at Idaho State. Then the last drive of the game, total tease. I mean, you got the backup QB in, Washington playing prevent. Fourth and six from the 10, and he runs a two-yard QB draw. I hope Boise State goes winless in conference. Not much to say here, Colin, but Wisconsin stays being Wisconsin. Just disappointing from day one to the last week. Who even cares anymore about them? Golly. Tyler from Texas. Baylor, Dave Aranda, show a little respect to your program. 
you're a 27 point favorite and you aren't competitive with Texas State, have a little respect. It's just horrible. And I will be calling back when they beat Utah next week because that's just how it goes. So uh, cheers, fellas. Yeah, I, I would say Baylor <laughs> being seven point dogs at home, trappy. We'll see. That is just how it goes. Uh, but so, yeah, well, Boise State was a disaster as we kind of project predicted a lot of defensive holes and that offensive coordinator change it, it got ugly quick there yeah texas state scored on every possession inside the 40 baylor's defense has not improved whatsoever even though we've had a change of defensive coordinator um <laughs> you know they did stuff 16 of 38 runs from texas state which is well above national average but it was the passing downs where they just absolutely got torched 53 percent success rate for texas state in passing downs 20% above national average. So <laughs> remarkable. The defense hasn't improved at all for Baylor. Yeah. And in regards to Utah, I mean, you want to keep in mind, I mean, Wisconsin, getting Beth, Wisconsin, they won by 21. Throw, throw another a game in the end of the uh, CLV bonfire there. I fortunately didn't get Wisconsin under 24 like you did when we were talking yeah. about it. Line got away from me. So then I didn't end up betting it. And it goes, it closes at 29 and I showed no more value in it. And then not, they don't cover. So I got saved there. Cause I liked it like you at under at 24 or below, mm-hmm. but you know, there was some, there's a lot of changes and Wisconsin's another team, just a complete change. There's there. Sometimes there's going to be some growing pains early. Sometimes teams are going to be ahead of the curve early on. Um, but uh, yeah, it was unfortunate that Wisconsin couldn't get to the window for those, especially that got the, good number early on but that's just the way it goes just eat it and move on all right let's finish up this is adam your friend in rehoboth beach delaware just curious how all your guys are doing with your north texas tickets considering literally everyone in the action network said oh yeah if they're not going to cover they're at least going to win outright and then all i'm seeing as i'm at work checking on the app is just Cal marching up and down the field at will, scoring at will. Just curious, how do you guys feel about that one? Love you guys very much. Didn't really help me out this week. Well, I mean, Ben Finley, 30, 24 of 34, one TD, 279 yards. I My handicap was that Sam Jackson couldn't play quarterback. Now, that offense was pretty stagnant until Ben Finley took over, and then they went absolutely nuts. And Jaden Knott, by the way, 20 yards, 188, 9.4 per carry. Insane. Yeah, he, was, he had a couple explosive runs. I mean, no one, no one, I don't think anyone expected uh, the North Texas defense to be any good. But, um, I mean, they suck. But I expected North Texas offense to be better. And uh, my thoughts are in this game. We already covered it earlier. I thought they would cover, which is why I bet them. Um, but they didn't. I was wrong. I will be wrong millions of times throughout the rest of my life. But yeah. yeah, sadly we couldn't get that one to the window. All right, moving on. By the way, shout out Rehoboth Beach and uh, spent many a summers in nearby Dewey. I'm here watching this absolute despicable performance from North Texas. Y'all were all week, and they come out here and they can't make a tackle. They look like a pee wee football team on defense. They're not even giving effort. This is despicable. You should be embarrassed to yourself. Call yourself a college football expert. I'm just kidding. I love the show, boys. Love the picks. But this one, I hammered it. And it's hammering me back. We have to be better. 
North Texas, Colorado State, USF, UMass, great week one. Glad I placed these bets early because, damn, that closing line value really made a difference. Holy what a great weekend to start the year. All right. Uh, I would say, you know, and by the way, like I said, the closing line value on some of these, it's one week. That's like if a, a favorites have a big week and you're like, I'm never betting underdogs again. I promise you that if you beat the close in the market over time, you, especially across key numbers, you're going to hit 60 to 65% against the spread. But you need a huge sample size. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you're going to get beat by the market across the key number, have the worst number, and cover. It happens. Don't overreact one week. Keep that in mind. I would rate the voicemails this week a 1 out of 10. You guys can be better than this. It was very – not a lot of – now, get, I get it. Like, the, the biggest game was last night. There wasn't any, any other ranked matchups. Just the, the energy, the, the humor, it, it, it wasn't there. So I, no caller of the week. I'll give away prizes in the future. But I know you guys are just getting warmed up. We always start slow. Week one, it's not that exciting of a slate. So we, we got a little, a couple jabs in there. But uh, I know you guys, I know you guys can do better. Uh, so we'll see next week. Maybe I'll double up the prize for caller of the week. But we'll uh, we'll get better as the season goes on, as I'm sure you guys will, on the voicemails. All right, Colin, uh, anything else? You know, there wasn't a lot of marquee games, so I don't really have much else to talk about. Like I said, we'll be back later in the week. We'll cover the entire week two slate for Saturday. Some A lot more marquee matchups, and we'll learn even more this upcoming week. We'll obviously be watching the market. Keep an eye on the Action Network app for any bets that we put in, but any other games that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get to? I, no, not from week one. I think, I think we uh, definitely have enough of a resume to go ahead and start piecing together week two. Um, Alabama, Texas is going to be fired. Nebraska, Colorado might be even bigger. I can't believe I'm saying that about two teams that might not even make a bowl, but I don't know who gets more hoopla this week, Dion and corn or uh, Alabama and Texas. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we do have to talk about the game tonight, Clemson and Duke. Duke is a 13-point home underdog, total sitting at 55-and-a-half against Clemson. One of the biggest coordinator changes of the offseason took place in Clemson with Dabo you know, going outside of his house and bringing in Garrett Riley from TCU to jumpstart that offense. We saw a lot of other offenses across the country benefit from some coordinator changes. Clemson is hoping for the same. Duke, meanwhile, a massive improvement last year. Talk about reaping the benefits from a coaching change. Mike Gelko comes in, and they had a tremendous season in his first year in Durham. They did get pretty damn fortunate across the board. If you dig into some of the advanced metrics, the turnovers, the close games. So they're definitely, there's certainly a potential negative regression candidate, but there's no question that the defense improved. I mean, this was a sieve, this te- an absolute sieve two years ago. Team couldn't stop a nosebleed. And there's also no question that they have a very talented quarterback 
in Riley Leonard. I will note that one of his key receivers, Eli Pankle, he's out probably for the season. I think that's a bigger loss than many are talking about. It's This game is very hard to predict because it's, okay, what is the Clemson offense? How long is it going to take to get up to speed? Big changes. Obviously, I think we both agree that it's a net positive. I, I expect the Clemson defense overall to be better. I trust Elko in that defense. Ultimately, uh, over 55, I kind of lean under here. What do you say? Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, I was thinking first half under, second half over. And the reason for that is two of the biggest havoc makers and the top two tacklers and Darius Joyner and Shaka Hayward, they're not returning to this Duke defense and they provided 11 PBUs and eight tackles for loss. So you're losing a large chunk of havoc. Can they be replaced? Sure. From game one, I'm not sure. Now, the other thing that bothers me on the Clemson side is that Garrett Riley is going to go four wide, verts down the field with a heavy running attack. Well, that kind of leads me into the first half under because he's going to start off wanting to run with Maffa uh, and, and and Shipley. And that, you know, that's Duke's going to have to contend with that in the box. I'm not sure we see Garrett Riley taking shots downfield until maybe we get to the third quarter, or at least a couple possessions. Because one thing that I've had questions with is this receiving core for Clemson, like who is number four? Right. I mean, it's like I know Antonio Williams is a staple here. I know Bo Collins is a staple here. But after that, who's lining up in, you know, vertical, vertical number three and number four? I don't know. And so I like the first half under here, um, either the second half over or maybe a live over. But that's the way that I'm going to look. Yeah, I'm still not sold. I look we both love Riley, but I, I'm still not sold on this Clemson wide receiver room for either yeah. from, you know, from a depth and just overall elite talent standpoint. So I think I might dabble with the under here. And if necessary, hopefully someone takes a goddamn knee if need be. (laughs) Holy moly. Uh, All right. That'll do it for the first couple of segments. Colin is going to finish us up with a week two look ahead segment talking about some of the lines that he likes. It's very I'm always intrigued. It's a new season to watch the market. and how when some of these things open how much more efficient it gets and it's sort of also like the fcs market that's always changing those are coming out later and later there's a lot of copying that goes on out there when it comes to odds making so who's going to be first to market and then usually see a lot of the same lines then pop up elsewhere but the market's always going to be changing and a lot of it is driven by people right so you you take take a look at the action network app and we we started this seven years ago from engineers who left Yahoo to start this event, you know, and you see a bunch of other pick tracking apps out there, you know, with awful UI and, and, you know, yada, yada, but eventually you know, allowing their experts to delete plays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, eventually the, eventually the, those things will get better and the market continues. Then there's competition. The market continues to evolve and get more efficient and, um, it's uh, there's a lot of parallels to many different industries, but always watching to see how much more efficient some of these openers get. And uh, definitely one of the, the most fascinating side stories for me going into any sports season. But Colin is going to finish us up, finish this out with uh, some of his look aheads. And we will be back. Like I said, Brett, Colin and I more laid back show for those new, the new BCS. We'll do some trivia, talk about some futures and, if there is any midweek college football, we'll cover it on that show. That'll be out every Tuesday morning starting next week. And like I said before, Mike and Mike with the 
group of five preview. Make sure you check those guys out. They do a tremendous job. A little shorter episode, 30 to 45 minutes. And then Colin and I will be back later in the week with an in-depth preview for week two. It's time for me to go get cracking. Don't forget about the NFL preview, the Action Network podcast with myself and Chris Raybon. A lot of other great content there as well. So we'll have our first NFL preview out Thursday morning. This week two college football preview will be out Friday morning. We are in full swing. Hope everyone had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. If you lost some money, let it go. It's a long season. No need to tilt. Let's have a huge season. It's time for me to go find some winners. Colin, take us home. All right, guys, let's have our look ahead line for week two. This is being recorded on Monday. So when I cite the lines, they'll probably move by the time this comes out. Uh, But I'm going to try to do this every Sunday, put together what I'm putting in the app, what I'm putting money on early, where I expect the line to go. And I think first we have to start off with Colorado. I did take a money line number on them. I would take it up to minus 130. This is going to dip. And the problem is, is that you're going to get a lot of pro action that says, There's no way Colorado should be moved this much. So you're going to see three and a halves and fours get pounded by sharps. And you're going to see public money come in at the end of the week and just pile in on this Colorado team. So where this game ultimately lands is kind of a mystery with Nebraska and Colorado, because we're all still trying to, uh, you know, get our bearings on how good Colorado is. Now I am not going to fade them. I think that they're way too explosive. We'll see what they can do in the trench because Nebraska was actually pretty good in the trench against Minnesota, but I will take Colorado on a pick. I would take it to minus 130. Looks like right now as I'm recording this, there's some minus two and a halves out there. Um, so I, I would uh, take that probably to three if you're going to bet Colorado this week. After that, I did take a Purdue-Virginia Tech under 51 and a half. As I'm recording this, we're down to 50, 50 and a half out there. There's a lot of precipitation and wind coming to the East Coast uh, in the Midwest too, in the parts of Kansas. Uh, there's going to be some rain and then also in Fayetteville, there's going to be some rain too. So keep your eyes open on the forecast this week, uh, especially things that are on the East coast all the way up and down from Massachusetts down to Florida. There should be a lot of rain and some wind. So keep an eye on the totals there. After that, Syracuse, they don't have to worry about it. They're playing in a dome. Uh, that number, as I am sitting here speaking, I I took it last night, 20 and a half. It's already up to 23, 24. This is a game I make. 26, Western Michigan, not looking good in their opener whatsoever. Uh, They're going to have some serious issues here containing the Syracuse offense that looked elite. I know it was against a, you know, cupcake FCF school, but Syracuse offense didn't have any gaps and available yards. Another one that we're going to look at is Florida Atlantic. Uh, I took it at minus four and a half. It's a number that I would take all the way up to double digits, Florida Atlantic minus 11. Uh, going up against Ohio, Ohio looked just dreadful in their game this past weekend against FCS. Uh, no, you know, no Rourke around. It's going to be tough for their offense to keep going. Casey Thompson had five TDs in the opener. So that's going to be trouble for an Ohio defense that struggled with Long Island having multiple methodical drives. So uh, definitely uh, Florida Atlantic, I would take that up to double digits. OU, I took it minus 13 and a half. That's been whacked. I would take it all the way up to 18. Looks like we're sitting at 16 and a half. I would still take that against SMU here. And then Minnesota going up against Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan allowed Howard to have above average success rate in passing plays. That is not going to be good against Minnesota, who, as you saw, they struggled offensively. I think, you know, Ethan Kaliak-Manis 
found his wide receivers at the end. You saw what Daniel Jackson did with a big highlight against Nebraska. Once they figure out that passing offense more, Minnesota will get more explosive. But that's a good combination against Eastern Michigan, who really struggled to contain explosive passing from Howard. Uh, so look at that there. And then finally, Stanford and USC. I took it over 69 and a half. That's up to 72 early here in the market. I don't see room for that to stop. Um, I would I would certainly venture to say that you would want to uh, possibly get this a, a, as low as you can, but I don't see this stopping from an over perspective. I, I would see this eclipsing 73, maybe touching 74. There's no stop to where this line is going to go. Stanford, USC, probably going to be the fastest game of the week and the most points scored of the week. And then finally, the last one, I love UConn this week to upset Georgia State. Got them at plus three and a half. I'd expect that number to keep on coming down. Georgia State struggled big time with Rhode Island. Rhode Island had multiple explosive drives and methodical drives. They had nine explosive passes against the Georgia State defense. I love UConn here. Make it a pick. Joseph Fagnano, uh, I expect him to have just a day getting behind this Georgia State defense. If Rhode Island can do it and have nine explosive passes, I expect UConn to be able to do the same. All right, that's it for your look at market report on week two. Good luck. All right, thanks, Colin. Did want to jump in and... Remind everyone to make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review, five-star reviews. They really help us out. I saw a bunch of you guys do it. You're on the list for a giveaway. We'll do a bunch of giveaways eh, probably next week or so, but I appreciate all of you. It really helps us out, especially early in the season. If you've already left a review, borrow your friend or your mom, your wife, your sister's phone and leave another one. It doesn't matter what you say. You can curse out James Franklin as long as it's a five-star review. Those really help us out. Thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. Thanks, as always, to Colin. Thanks, of course, to all of you. And don't forget about our audio and video producers on the back end. They do a tremendous job. We will catch y'all later in the week. Cheers. Peace out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.